I have a ton for you this morning, but I would like to begin not only our year together, but our time here together in just praying for this entire new year. All the different pieces that we have coming up in our lives, it's probably the best way to spend our time. God's word says that his house would be a house of what? prayer. That's right. He didn't say a house of preaching. He didn't say a house of anything else. He said that his house would be a house of prayer. So we want to take a little bit of time to just pray together. So let me just lead us. Yeah, let's just pray whatever's on our heart. Here we go. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you indeed for the great and wonderful things that you have done this prior year. Lord, we're walking into a new year and there's a lot of anticipation and sometimes anxiety. Lord, that there, there are some of us that are parents and we're thinking about our kiddos and we're thinking, Lord, would you move with our children? Would you rescue them? Would you draw them near to you? It doesn't matter whether or not they're little babies, Lord, or whether or not they're grown. You've given us a heart and a passion to make sure that they are walking with their God. And so we pray that you would bring in good friends around them that, Lord, that you would captivate them into ministry, that you would allow them to enjoy their times with you one-on-one. -on -one. Lord, we pray that you would keep them from tragedy, that, Lord, we understand that some drama is necessary to grow deep roots, but, Lord, we are praying that you would watch over them almost like a, a uh, bodyguard detail. Lord, we pray for those of us that are single. We do not have a significant other in this life. That, Lord, that we would not feel in any way that somehow there is something missing from our life, that you and us is more than enough. That, Lord, that we are able to thrive in this coming year, knowing full well that you, Jesus, chose to walk in this world single that Paul the Apostle chose to walk in this world single, and you were both full. Lord, I pray that we would not have a craving in that way for another, but we would know that we are full and complete in you. Lord, there are some of us indeed that are married, and we pray, God, for our marriages, that there's so much pulling and distracting us. There's so much that is wanting to take our attention away. I pray that whatever the enemy has against our marriages and our families would be ruined by your beautiful plan. That God, that you would embarrass the enemy for trying to take down his people. That God, I pray right now that this church would be shielded and protected. I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to show us how we can align ourselves so that you would have free movement in this place to be able to bring about healings and signs and wonders and power and excitement, Lord. We pray for deeper experiences with you. We pray that it would be real and active and alive. We're praying for our, our prayer times all by ourselves at home, that they would be rich and good. Lord, there are some of us that are sick and struggling right now, and we're walking into 2020 wondering whether or not this chronic illness is going to follow us yet another year. I pray in the name of Jesus, you might break that off, that, Lord, that we might have some freedom and breakthrough. So, Lord, we are just asking as a family, knowing that whenever you give, Lord, you do not diminish in any way, that we are not asking you to lose out, that you are more than full. That, Lord, that we ask knowing that you love us. We ask knowing that you want our best. We trust you in whatever the answer is. But we would be remiss if we didn't ask. 
So Lord, we are praying for your favor and your blessing to be upon our households. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen, Amen. that's how I think we should start, yeah? yeah? Let's get this started, all right, right on. Now, I'll tell you what. Why don't you take out that handout sheet and you're probably gonna want a Bible here. We're gonna get into that a little bit later, but I wanna share with you a core element of Bridgeway. Most of you know this already, but a core element of everything that we do here is that we are driving towards transformation. If you say, well, what is this class for? It's for transformation. Well, what's the sermon for? It's for transformation. Well, what is this counseling for? Well, it's for transformation doesn't matter whether or not someone knows the Lord or has been with the Lord, not at all. We are looking for transformation so that we as human beings might connect with our God and transform into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. So everything we design is about transformation. And one of the ways that we do that is yearly themes, right? So we're walking into a brand new year, 2020. So welcome to the year of connecting. The year of connecting. We're going to be going through this the entire year. Now, I got something I wanted to share a little bit about that um, because this year we are doing something that we haven't done in a little while. We're adding in elements that we've never done. So here's something we haven't done in a while. This year we're doing one book the entire year. We haven't done that since the year of Revelation. And you go, man, it must be a really, really long book. Nope, it's only six chapters. And we're not covering chapter six. We're only covering chapters one through five for an entire year. What book is that? Ephesians. Ephesians, one of the most rich and yet practical books in the New Testament. And you go, well, how in the world are you going to stretch that out into an entire year? Well, ha-ha, that is my gift. (laughs) Right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it, first of all, we're going to take it slowly. And what that means is, is that we're going to take one or two verses, probably two or three verses per week, and we're going to soak into it and pull out what God has for us. We're going to do it verse by verse, expository. But along the way, whenever the book brings up a topic that we need to do more deep dive into, we then take the following week and do a whole topical on that concept, right? Sometimes that's going to break into mini-series, right? So let me give you an idea. We're going to do the book of Ephesians all year, but we're going to hit these topics. Understanding the Holy Spirit, spiritual warfare, developing our spiritual gifts, being trained up to be able to share our faith effectively. We're going to do a three-part marriage mini-series. We're going to do a two-part parenting mini-series. We're going to do a a two-part how to share your faith and live rightly in the workplace series. We're going to do a four-part Advent series. So we have all these topicals and mini-series put into the book so that by the time we get done, man, you're going to know Ephesians backward and forward, right? Now, here's what's kind of exciting about it. I want to share how God worked in this way. Uh, Our creative arts department, predominantly Colin Craning, who does our graphic design, He came up with a logo for this year. Can we put that logo up on the screen? See that logo? Now, he wrote that by hand, which I love about the idea that that it has a softness to it. But I want you to see this. This is the year of connecting. But what's so beautiful about it 
is that we are interested in connecting with God and people when we focus on the first half, the first 17-part series in the book of Ephesians, we will focus on our vertical relationship with God. You see how that works? We have the other one fade into the background. We then are gonna follow it up with a 26-part series on how to connect with each other, which means we reverse that, and now we have a chance to see our relationships horizontally. Every time you see this logo, I want you to see, am I connected with God? Am I connected with the people around me? Am I connected with God? Am I connected with the people around me? This is how we become healthier and we become what God built us to be. Does this sound like an exciting year? Yeah, come on, it's gonna be exciting. All right, now. How important is connection? If we're gonna give a whole year to it, how important is connection? It is vitally important, but in order to understand that, I wanna lead you through some things that are a bit more practical for our physical lives and make an analogy. This is why I brought this hydro flask up here. Now this, this hydro flask represents the idea that our bodies need water, yep. Our bodies need water. We are 60% water. Everything that we use, you just sitting here, you're using up water. You have to replenish that. And you go, well, how much water would I possibly need? Well, a lot. So let me, let me kind of get into this. The Mayo Clinic, if you all heard of that, the Mayo Clinic's recommendation for men is that we drink 124 ounces of water a day. This Large hydro flask. If I drink this a day, I feel good about myself. This is 25 ounces. You need five of these every day. Now, I will say that you go, man, that's an awful lot. All right, the Institute of Medicine gives you a 20 ounce break, which is super nice of them. 104 ounces for you guys. Ladies, 92 ounces from the Mayo Clinic, 72 ounces from the Institute of Medicine. Here's the thing. How many of you are drinking five hydroflasks a day? Now, raise your hand if you are drinking a lot, of, right? Okay, now here's what I don't understand about you. Do you not walk around with a catheter? <laughs> right? Like, uh, man, I would spend all my work day going to the bathroom. I don't know how you even do this. I feel like my eyeballs would start floating. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I can't, now my wife is always pushing water at our house, man. Every time she's like, hey, do you need your hydroflask filled? Hey, do you need your hydro, right? And I'm like, no, it's full from yesterday. <laughs> like, why, why would I need to refill that one? I don't see a, a point here, but anyway. <clears throat> and what's intriguing about this is I would venture to say that there is a handful of us that are drinking what our bodies actually need. Everyone else, we are what? We're actually not refilling and not living at optimum. So what happens if you don't drink enough water? Well, it's interesting. Do you realize that thirst, the idea that you go, man, I feel thirsty right now. Do you understand that is the beginning of dehydration? That you're not supposed to be thirsty at all. You're supposed to have constant water in your body so that you're never thirsty. If you do not have water, what happens is it begins to dry things out. It begins to do damage. Ultimately, it goes down and begins to affect issues within your mind, your brain. It affects issues within your heart. And ultimately, you'll die. Now, the internal drive to say, man, I need some liquid, is pretty high in us. So we get a decent amount 
but we are living less than optimal. What would it be like if we lived at optimal and actually gave our bodies what it needed? How about the issue of sleep? Everybody getting enough sleep around here? Probably not. So here's how it kind of works. Um, when it comes to sleep, we always think of this, do I feel rested? That is actually not the question that you need to ask because what you're doing when you sleep is not merely regenerating energy. Let me give you an idea on what happens when you sleep. Do you realize while you sleep, it rebuilds your muscles? Do you know it removes brain plaque? Did you even know you had brain plaque? <laughs> Nobody's flossing, have you noticed this? Right? It removes brain plaque. It sorts your memories. It regulates your emotions. It builds your immunity system. It controls your appetite. It adjusts your metabolic functions. When you say, I'm sleeping or not sleeping, you keep thinking, am I feeling rested? That is one tiny piece. So when you don't sleep, your body can't do this. A newborn, zero to three months, needs 14 to 17 hours of sleep a day. That is why I refer to them as plants. <laughs> I don't know, when you have a newborn, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there. You water it, it grows. That's it. Kind of like a plant that poops <laughs> is really all it is. Rather boring. Anyway, moving on. As the newborns grow all the way through life, ultimately, by the time we're 65, each time we need a little bit decreasing, less sleep. So by the time we're 65, it is seven to nine hours of sleep. Seven to nine hours of sleep for adults. Have you been getting seven to nine hours of sleep consistently? Can we all agree that not all sleep is equal? There is sleep that is deep and restful, and there's sleep that is disturbed. When we don't have this and we start getting tired, we start having a shift of mood. We start now agitating, not only feeling agitated, but agitating those around us. We start having breakdowns in our functions. What would happen if we actually got the right amount of sleep? How would that impact how we interact with our world? One more. How about diet? Everybody eating all the right stuff? Oh, come on, right? No way. What we need out of food is vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. And how much you eat depends on what? Height, weight, age, sex, activity, genetic factors, all that stuff. But not all food is created equal, right? If you have this type of calorie versus this type of calorie, yeah, when we're talking about calories and weight loss, they may be relatively equal, but when it comes to health, they are not equal at all. There are good calories, there are bad calories. But I want you to hear this, just because your stomach is full doesn't mean your body was fed. Y'all following me? Because this is gonna be real important in a second. Men, according to the assumption and stereotypes on us, we are supposed to consume between 2,400 to 3,100 calories of awesomeness, right? And to me, I think we have consumed 6,000 calories of disgustingness, and we call that a day. Ladies, 1,800 to 2,200 calories. What happens if you ignore it? Your body begins to consume itself. My point in saying all this is that we have a lot of different systems in our body that will actually give you little reminders that something's going wrong. 
Most of us have turned off those alarms and we just live less than optimal. I would venture to say that if we got enough sleep, if we drank enough water, if we ate the right foods, then a bunch of the stuff that we've been praying about and saying that God doesn't care about us because he keeps letting us hurt, a lot of those would begin to go away. I think it is about stewardship. The problem with connection is it is just as vital, but you can't feel the impacts of missing it as easily. So let's talk about this. What is the biblical daily expectation of connection? Do you realize the expectation in the Bible is that we have daily and deep and consistent connection with God? If we don't have that, we are living at less than optimal. But here's the other thing I'm not sure you might be aware of, and that is this. The Bible expects and demands that we have consistent, deep, and healthy connection with one another. That is the part that many times we're not quite tracking on. You see, all human beings are directly impacted by social interaction. There is a reason why isolation is a torture tactic. There's a reason why isolation is a punishment because we desperately crave healthy interaction. But most of us are living less than optimal. Why? We say things like, my phone is full of contacts. But how many of those contacts can be called at 2 a.m. to ask for prayer? We have a lot of people in our lives, but how many of them are healthy? Do we even know what the concept of fellowship really means? Or do we simply know I have casual acquaintances? Are we able to constantly text, but we never have the ability to be with someone in a long enough period of time for it to go boring and then get into the next conversation? Are we having healthy interactions with healthy people? That I'm not so sure. And what ends up happening is that begins to rob us of some extraordinary things. Look at this, the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. I wanna just tell you this. The less connected we are, the less power we have. The less connected we are, the less power we have. Connected to who? God, and connected to each other. The less connected we are, the less power we have. Power for what? Let me give you an idea on the importance. If we truly were together, what if this happened? Let's say, for example, we all knew one another and God laid something on your heart. We'll just use me as an example. Let's say one of you are at home and all of a sudden you get this idea and it flashes into your head and it's not like any other idea. It has a little extra weight to it. And in there you say, you know what? I feel like, this is super weird, but I feel like Pastor Lance needs to know that God has him right where he needs him. Let's say that, that just pops in your head and you go, well, that's kind of stupid. I imagine Pastor Lance already knows that God has him where he needs to be, so I'm just gonna go ahead and hang on to that. What you don't know is that God actually downloaded that same thing to 13 other people. 
Meanwhile, I, you would never see it revealed at the pulpit, but I was praying at that very moment and saying, Lord, is it time for me to move? Is it time for me to shift? Is it time for me to do something else? And I hear nothing but crickets. So I feel a bit abandoned by God. And I'm thinking, well, I guess you don't wanna guide me. I guess you don't wanna direct me. Meanwhile, God had told 13 of my friends the exact answer. And it was not that your one individual point was so powerful, it's that when 13 of them come together with the exact same message, suddenly God becomes clear. If we are not connected, that's never gonna happen. How much are we living our lives with one hand tied behind our back? How much are we living our lives so less than optimal that we're struggling in areas we don't even need to be struggling in? Is it possible that we feel distant from God because we're not connected to him? Is it possible that we feel like God has abandoned us because we don't have other Christians around us? Is it possible that we are used to and normalizing less than optimal Christianity. I said it was more power. Power for what? Power to live the Christian life and the life that God built for us rightly. Now, praise the Lord, he's given us some examples in scripture. There's a guy named the Apostle Paul. Yeah, we all know this guy. This guy was connected to the Lord and he was connected to his community. So he did things and said things that not a lot of us can say and do. For example, what? Here we go. He says phrases like this, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Is that our attitude walking through every day? You gotta be pretty connected to God to feel like that, yeah? He said the phrase, I have learned the secret to being content. How in the world do you walk through life fully content. Well, I don't know. He found something that maybe we're not walking with. Here's a couple other ones. He was firm in his identity. He was firm in the grace of God. He was filled with clear purpose. He lived in constant prayer. He was bold and proud of the gospel, unashamed. He was even able to rejoice in sufferings because he could see the bigger picture. He powerfully worked in the supernatural daily seeing signs and wonders and miracles. I think that's the more normal, healthy Christian life because he was living connected. But what would happen if we were at total optimum? Because I'll tell you this, Paul the apostle was still just a dude. He still had his own failures, he had his own challenges. So what you just heard, that was even less than optimum. Is there an example of someone living at full optimum? Yes, there is, who's that? Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. He was so connected and you go, well, he's God. Hold on, he is fully God and fully man. That means that he lived here on this earth as an example of what purified humanity would look like. So what is optimal? Here you go. This is what he lived. He said, I and the Father are one. There is no division whatsoever. He had clear downloads every day. How do we know that? Because he said, I only do 
and say what I see the Father doing and what I hear him saying. In other words, his every day was full downloads from the Father. He had a perfect prayer life. How do we know that? Because he said, whatever I ask my Father, he will grant me. It says this, he was immovable to temptation. When you have all the connection that we need, both vertically and horizontally, the craving in temptation begins to lessen. Interesting. He had full use of supernatural power from heaven, even to the point of raising from the dead at will. This is incredible. It says that his heart was pure, that he was moved in compassion for the people around him. It says he was unworried about the concerns and cares of this life. How do we look more like that? Connection. Connection with God, connection with each other. This is what this year is about. Now, understand this. There are many of us that we have the desire to do these things, but we don't have the know-how. That's what this year is about. We're gonna teach you practically, how do we connect with one another? What does a healthy relationship look like? Is it worth trying to go out and risk yourself once again in a relationship? We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about how do we connect with God? How do we understand him? How do we know him? How do we hear from him? How are we guided by him? That's what this year is all about. But we're gonna begin that process right now. Would you turn with me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15, verse one. In your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. It's page 901. 901 should get you there. If you got your own Bible, drop it in the middle. Go to the right, you're eventually gonna hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and there you're gonna hit John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 15, big 15, little one, all right? Here we go. We're gonna go through this passage rather rapidly. It begins like this, John 15, one. Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What does this mean? Here's what it means. You were built to produce for God naturally. And you are not going out and doing great works for God to earn your salvation. That's not how it works. You are not trying to earn his love. He already loves you now. The whole reason you're having this conversation is that he rescued you and saved you. You're just simply being who you are built to be. Remember, Christianity always operates from the overflow principle. God is never asking you to scratch something up from nothingness. He's saying, just share from the abundance I've already given you. Christianity is not a religion of performance. Christianity is a living out of a reality. That's what it is. So what he said was, let me give you a metaphor. I'm the vine. I'm the one locked into the source. You are connected to me, and when you're connected to me, things start happening. Let's pick it up in verse four. He said, so abide in me, remain in me, hang
hang with me, be connected to me, and I will be with you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Abiding means stay close, live connected. Anything life-giving comes from heaven. The only way we can get that is through Jesus Christ. So if we are connected to him and his body, then all of his goodness can flow into us. I don't think it's that difficult of an analogy to realize that if you break a branch off of a tree and put it off to the side, it's going to wither and die. There is no fruit that's coming from that. There's no goodness that's coming from that. There's no usefulness that's coming from that. It ceases to have value. But when it is connected and it's part of the whole and it's bringing up the nutrients from below, that indeed is a fruitful tree. It's how it was designed to be. Pick it up in verse six. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What does this mean? He uses an extreme analogy. He says, if there's nothing coming out of you and you're disconnected, you cease to exist. If you're connected to me, there is a great and massive return. Why is it so different? Because connected to God is life. Disconnection from God is death. So he separates it out and he said, the whole reason you exist is to have relationship with me. If you don't have relationship with me, why are you here? You see, we need to be able to remain even when there's distractions, right? We need to be able to hang into the Lord when there's a million things vying for our attention. Ultimately, it's about bringing glory to God, yeah? We want to make God, shine. That's why we're here. It's not really about us. It's about him. But we need to be connected to let him shine through us. Pick it up in verse nine. He says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. So remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my favor, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What did he say? He said this, I want you to live in the reality that I have loved you well. There are some of us that do not love well because we do not feel well-loved. There are some of us that feel dry on the inside, and so it's very hard to love people on the outside. Your view of God will directly impact your treatment of other people. So some of us this year need to be so connected with God that we get a download of his love and interest in you. 
that you have to get to that abundant place before you can ever share anything. If you're not feeling abundantly loved by God, we have some work to do. What more could he possibly do than to die for you? Jesus Christ said, you are that valuable to me. I will give anything to rescue you. That type of love needs to soak deep down into our spirit to where we feel so filled up that loving other people is easy. That's what he was talking about. He said this. He said, there are ways that you are going to live that can help your connection, and there's ways that you can live that are gonna hurt that connection. It's not like God has just let us flounder. He gave us a big old collection of books and said, I got you the instructions. I just want you to look at this and you can know what I want. Because if you do what I want you to do, you're gonna come alive. I know what's best for you. I know what will make your life right. I know what will enrich you. I know these things and I'm sharing them with you, but I need you to actually live them out. Not just know them in your head. He said, I'm telling you these that your joy may be full. Y'all know what joy means? Joy means a deep-seated happiness that everything that is important has already been taken care of and that your circumstances can't wreck the most important stuff. That's what joy means. He said, joy can be full. He would have never told you that if it wasn't true. There are a lot of us and our joy level is very low and it makes it hard to live. It makes it hard to have any happiness at all. I'm not telling you that you're supposed to pretend like your problems aren't real. Your problems are real. Bad things are really happening. What I'm telling you is that the yuck can't get deep down inside your heart. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, you still have issues. But what I'm saying is when you have a deep-seated understanding that the most core things are right, then you don't sweat the small stuff as much. Verse 12, he said, so this is what I want you to do. This is my commandment, that you love one another in the same way that I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Do you understand that loving one another is a mandate? It's a command. But once again, you got to be filled up for that to come out naturally. He said, but I can't just have you guys do a fair weather, wimpy love for one another. I need you to love each other in the same manner that I loved you. What does that mean? God type love means it is others focused and it does not love in retaliation or reaction from other people. You love outwardly regardless of the response. That's how God has loved us. Do you understand that he loved you even when you were mean to him? Yeah. We are supposed to love one another. There are so many of us that are so easily agitated by people that the minute they do something wrong, we write them off. 
Do you understand that that's not how God has treated you? So therefore, our job is to love one another. Now, is loving other people easy? It is not. Now, it's going to get easier if you feel loved by God, but it's still not easy. But here's what the Christian motto is. I am praying for you to get a personality transplant. But until you do, I will hang in there with you. Amen? That's the Christian motto. Like, I am trying to hope that God would do some serious working with you to fix whatever that irritation thing is coming out of your face. However, until he finishes his good work in you, I am still your brother, I am still your sister, so we're hanging out together and we're going to do this together. Because, listen to this, there are many of us in this room that our love for God is super strong, we just don't like his people. Yeah, I wonder why. Huh. Let me give you an insight. You ready? Let's just take me personally. You and I will never be close if you hate my wife and my children. Do you understand that? If we think that we can be super close to God but despise his bride and despise his children, there's going to be a rift. It's not going to be okay. We don't get to write one another off because we're difficult, because we matter to God. Super important. He said, I have called you friends. What does it mean to be a friend of God? Involvement, connection, love, engagement, intimacy, all those things. He's not drawing you into a bland, boring work. He's calling you into a fun, adventurous, life-giving relationship. That's what you're being called into. Pick it up in verse 16. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so you will love one another. Do you realize that your eternal life, and when I say eternal life, I'm not just talking about future. I'm talking about now. I'm not talking about duration. I'm talking about quality. Do you realize that your eternal life was God's plan way before you even had a clue? Do you understand that he is not resistant to you? He's cheering you on. He's the one telling you we can do this. He's the one making everything move in heaven and earth so that everything is aligned perfectly so that you can thrive. That's what he's doing. It's his idea. He's not resistant. He's the one pressing us forward. We are not abandoned. We are not left behind. He is constantly watching us and ministering to us encouraging us and comforting us. And a big portion of the blessings he puts into our life is so that we would share it with other people around us. He said, so I need you to love and do whatever it takes to love each other. Before Jesus passed away, later in this book of John, he had a prayer time that was recorded. Now, we think about the last words of Jesus happening on the cross, right? Well, indeed, those are the last words that Jesus spoke, 
But by the time we get to the cross, Jesus was checking boxes of prophecy. So he would say a phrase like, I'm thirsty. That was to check off a prophecy. Then he would say a phrase like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you go, what does that mean? That's kind of cryptic. It's a prophecy. Then he would do things like, it is finished. What was that? It's a prophecy. So by the time he's on the cross, by the time he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's in work mode. If you want to know what Jesus' heart really was and what he really wanted to talk about, you got to go to John chapter 17 because that's a time when everything was cool and he was just talking with the Father. What did he say in the high priestly prayer recorded in John 17? Just listen to these words. This is what Jesus really wanted. He said, Father, I do not ask for these, these followers, these few around me only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be complete, become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. What did Jesus really want? Connection. Connection with him and connection with each other. If you want to give God glory, connect with a Christian family around you because they're really, really important. He said, I just want them united in heart, mind, and purpose. Do you realize that if we were truly connected the world would have to take notice. I think one of the reasons why the world is unimpressed with the church today is because the church is unimpressive. But what if we lived at optimum? Sure, they're not all that moved by a malnourished socially and malnourished spiritually congregation, but what if they got to see an optimally connected congregation? What if indeed we were so connected with God that the world had to see that we were directed by heaven and not just good ideas? What if they began to see that we operated with the power of heaven and not just what mankind's strategy can do? What if they saw that we had true love and belonging and family and they knew that their portion was a sham? How much would the world have to take notice that God is alive and active if we were truly living at the optimal connection level that we were designed to have? Don't you think they'd have to take notice? Can I have the prayer team come on up here? Y'all, we desperately need connection. And we're gonna train you. We're not gonna leave you by yourself and just tell you to do it. We're going to train you. But we need connection both with God and with people. As we close out, I'm about to pray for us, but you don't have to rush out today. Your family's right here. Hang out, get to meet somebody, know somebody, but there's another part of it, and that is this prayer team. 
This is one of the practical ways that God is going to meet your needs, which is through the prayers of his people. These are your family members. One of the greatest ways to connect right off the bat, you don't even have to know them, is to not leave this place until you go up and say, I have a need. Would you go to the Lord with me? And they would pray for you. You guys, these are, there's so many ways that we should be interconnected and our lives would be so much more rich. But I'm just gonna pray a blessing of favor upon you as you leave, right? Just so that there's a beautiful harvest just for showing up today and being with us. May you be blessed, right? Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we say yes to your ways and we ask, Lord, that you would rain down your favor upon us. That, Lord, that any that can hear my voice, any that have given of their time and given of their interest and their passion to be able to be here, to lock into the word of God, to be able to hear what you want to say, to give you their full attention. Lord, just because they did that, may there be a harvest, may there be a richness, may there be a thriving that comes from that, that Lord, that as they seek to connect with one another, as they seek to connect with you, that Lord, that they would see a mighty movement coming through their lives, that 2020 would begin to show them what their own lives, it optimal would look like. God, I pray that you would minimize distraction. I pray that you would shut down the enemy. I pray that you would allow us to be able to be excited once again, every moment, knowing that you are real, alive, and active, and that we have access to you. God, may you bless your family here at Bridgeway and throughout our entire region and nation. God, lead us and guide us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.